Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. That's me. That's you. Yes, absolutely. Good evening, race fans, and welcome to another two hours of Motorsports Conversation here on the Performance Motorsports Network. In case anybody's confused and you weren't listening to our stock car show last Thursday here on PMN, Tom and I pulled that same skit in reverse. Yes. So, anyway. Now, now that we're done with the jokes and the games and the fun stuff, we're going to have some more because it's time to talk racing, unlike wrestling, which is how they say it down south. So let's do it. Let's do it. Myself, Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza, we have a round table, and we had a roundy round race over the weekend in the Windy City. Cisco, were they racing anywhere near you? Well, I mean, technically no, because technically I'm no, because you're in living in Indy right now. But still, I mean, it's Joliet, so I mean, you basically you hop on 355, you blast down that, you get to I-80, you take that ramp, and then you take the ramp for uh, for uh, uh, US 66, and uh, you show up right there, and bam, you're right at the track. It's nice You've and easy. You lost me already. <laughs> Rents, you get lost easily. You know, Route easily. 66, that sort of. Sort of a famous road. I don't know if you. Well, actually, no, you do have it in California. So come on, right, right on a Denny's, see, right on a Denny's map, and I'll find it. It's All not right, the old Route 66 anymore. It's just an interstate now. Well, it's the historic Route 66, yeah. Tom. All right, we're gonna get our kicks elsewhere, like at Chicagoland Speedway, because Martin Truex nice. kicked everybody well to the curb and won the playoff opener for the second year in a row. <gasps> Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Were you breathing? That yeah, was a I gasp. Was trying to act shocked. Yes. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Cisco for five hundred dollars, Alex. E Trade baby shock face. Um, except that we're not on video. Nah. Uh, you know it's um. It it was predictable. Kyle, yes. Kyle Busch ran away. Kyle Busch's crew made a mistake. Took Kyle Busch out of contention. Martin Truex wins. The <laughs> end. Boring race. Not exciting at all. Um, really, honestly, Jacob, disappointing, I thought, for the first round of the playoffs, though it was cool to see Chase Elliott up front at least for a little while. Yeah, he pulled this same stunt, though, last year and couldn't get the job done. So, unfortunately, same song, different day. Rents. Kyle Busch and Daniel Suarez swapped pit crews prior to the opening race of the playoffs in the hopes that Suarez's pit crew, which had averaged better times on pit road than Bush's had during the regular season, would be able to help Bush win a championship. Instead, <laughs> chaos. We got we to gotta get you like a soundboard or something back there. Because I know, you're, right? You're just all these sorts of things tonight. I'm having but fun with sound effects. In the next hour. Well, gonna, I know you are. Gonna... I'll get someone from Hollywood to, to hire you here in a minute. In, in the next uh, hour, it, he's going to beatbox. The... <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the biggest thing, Jacob, is the fact that I, I thought about this last night, and I've come to a conclusion. You swap pit crews with the guy that's been running up front all year to a guy that's running about mid-pack, maybe bottom of the top ten. The sense of urgency between the two are totally different. For Suarez, he's not up front every week. No discredit to him. He's a great race car driver. It's just the fact that he's just not up front every week. So the pit crew isn't you know, expecting to be first or second, leaving the pit every single time. Kyle Busch, on the other hand, 
has been contending for race wins since the Daytona 500. And so when you swap those pit crews for the Suarez crew, that's now the 18 crew, there's a sense of just, I, I, I want to say almost shock. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. You have to perform at a higher level than what you're not normally used to and being accustomed to. Not saying it's a fault on their part. It's just they they were thrown into the fire. I would have said, Tom, do this at Richmond and get them accustomed. Now you're going into the playoffs and just hoping and praying for the next nine weeks after Chicagoland that they can get the job done because even though they're a pit crew and they should be able to get the job done, their expectations have to change quickly and they have to adjust even faster. Well, you know, the thing is, Rince, is... They wouldn't have made that swap except for the fact that Suarez's crew has been uh, fast all year long, and they felt like this was going to be a good change. Now, you know, I don't know what happened the other day, but honestly, it sort of seems to me like it was just a situational thing. I don't get the feeling that this is going to be a repetitive thing, but I do think that this is the type of thing, Jacob, in the playoffs. You just can't have that. Cisco, I, I, I have to say that Kyle Busch handled himself remarkably well after the race the other day. Um, I think he's confident enough that they're going to be able to get a win and get enough points to sort of get through at least to the second round, and this won't mm. be a killer. But I don't know, buddy. I, I, um, I wasn't really, really impressed with that uh, pit mistake. It just reminded me of too many of them they made during the season with the other team. Yeah, and, you know, Chad Knauss pulled something like this in 2010 when he and Jeff, he brought Jeff Gordon's pit crew over to the 48. Yeah, but keep right. in mind, yeah. the 24 was up front. They were competing for wins. That was a championship caliber crew. Chad yeah. just decided to change it up. So, I mean... We've talked about the 18, that they need to be perfect, and we're not necessarily convinced that they're doing that. And this is another case where, you know, JGR, I, if you really want to bet everything on KB's pit crew, I'd almost, I'd almost wonder if maybe the 11 crew might be the better one because they statistically, as far as the pit crew challenge goes, are generally one of the best pit crews, if not the best pit crew in the entire sport. All right. I want to circle away from pit crews for a moment and – go back to the whole Martin Truex kicking everybody's butt, Tom, because there's something that cropped up on Twitter today okay. that people are confused about. I want to kind of clear a few things up and get everybody's heads out of the fog. Okay. Playoff points accrued during round one, like the five points that Martin Truex got for winning the race, do not immediately take effect. If they did take effect, Martin Truex would have, in essence, gotten 45 points instead of 40 points. Those five bonus points that they get uh, in the playoff point bank will go into effect when the reset for the next round kicks off. So for anybody confused going, does he get the five points now? Do they get even more points? No, you don't get double, po double you know, those points don't double up just because you won them, they don't go into effect immediately. So any playoff points that the teams earn from the stages and the race wins in this round go into effect in the next round, which, oh, by the way, Tom, Martin Truex, with his win now, has 58 points going into round three. Uh, yeah, 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 I yeah, think yeah. when I looked earlier at the, uh, I think I looked at the spread earlier, and as of right now, I think only the top three are basically within a one race points deficit, 
shall we say. Now, of course, again, you can win your way into round two, so we don't want to make yeah. much of little after round one. But I said last week that I felt like the playoffs were going to look much like the regular season, and I still would agree with that statement after the race yesterday. You had Kyle Busch up front and then obviously got taken out of contention by a pit mistake. You mm -hmm. had Martin Truex make his own mistake but recover despite it and win, and you've still got Kyle Larson sitting at second in the points for right now, even though he didn't have a totally spectacular day yesterday. So, I mean, I feel like as we go to Loudon here, you're still going to see some of the players, same players up front that we've seen all season, maybe toss in a Keselowski or, you know, somebody who's traditionally good at Loudon. But, I mean, I'm not seeing a lot of surprise here mm. in the next couple races anyway. I'm going to be that guy, Cisco. Jimmy Johnson finished eighth on a day when he probably shouldn't have finished eighth. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Honestly, I, I have no clue what's going through the mind of that 48 team. I mean, they do this every year where they don't show up. You know, once they win and they're in, they did it last year. They won, got themselves into the playoffs. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, where's the 48 crew? Oh, they're out to lunch. You know, they're just testing stuff. Chad's Chad's working on something in the wind tunnel, and they pulled it out here. But they do this. They they don't win to make it to the end. They drive as consistently as they can. And as a result, you know, they are able to point their way in. They're not going for winning every week because at least as far as how I read the way Chad runs that team, they don't want to push them to the very edge until that final race or when they have to rents at least is how i read that well the biggest thing is chad canals is like a very smart poker player you don't show all your hands of your card uh you're you don't show your full hand until it's ready to go and you go all in i think the bigger shock here jacob and tom is the fact that we have kurt bush and drivers like that that are down in the order in the point standings i mean Kurt won the Daytona 500 and hasn't shown up since. And you would think maybe Tony Gibson is just trying different things for the playoffs, something like that. But he was, I believe, three laps down in that race, which is just unacceptable for Stuart Haas racing. And the fact that they're really a championship contending team. Kevin Harvick won it three years ago. And Kurt Busch is a guy that we all know can drive a car, Tom. So when we see the 41 so far down in the points order, is it time to start getting panicked as we go to New Hampshire, a track that he hasn't really been great at in seasons past? I don't think it's time to panic. Um, I think you have to assume, Jacob, that uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I don't think anybody really went into this playoff expecting Kurt Busch to, uh, you know, maybe a second round, but... I mean, Kurt's capable of winning any race he enters, Jacob, but I don't feel like I don't feel like this is unexpected. I mean, I just don't think they're as strong as some of the other teams. And again, right now, I do believe that the Toyotas have it going on. Now, I'm not going to say that NASCAR gave them something like some drivers have said, but whatever the reason is, I think the uh, the, the the Chevy bunch in general and the Ford bunch in general are a little bit behind the Toyotas and you know, this is why we're seeing some of this. But I, I don't think Kurt goes, honestly, unless he sneaks up and wins something, I don't think he goes past round two and maybe he doesn't make it out of round one. Uh, 
he's tied with Austin Dillon for the last transfer spot right now, so I'm not going to say he doesn't make it out of round one, but they do have some work to do. I'll say this. What I am impressed about, and we can talk about it later in the show, is the fact that Kevin Harvick quietly snuck all the way up to third at the end of the opening race here yeah. in Chicagoland, and that could be a harbinger of things to come, perhaps, for that four car. Like I said, we'll talk about that later. We're going to talk Xfinity and trucks because it was an NASCAR triple header at Chicagoland Speedway. So we come back with more Motorsports Madness in a moment. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. We'll be right back. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Rents Brown, and Cisco Scaramuza talking racing 
on the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. NASCAR Xfinity Series at Chicagoland on a Saturday. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I am not only counting Justin Allgaier's car number. I am also counting how many times a NASCAR Xfinity Series regular has won this season. Allgaier makes seven. Yes, but here's the deal with that, okay? You're going to eliminate. This is the playoffs, baby, okay? Uh -huh. So you're going to eliminate. Well, actually, this was the regular season finale, but. This upcoming is yeah. the playoffs. That's my point. This is the playoffs. Now we're starting. You're, you've got four. I made this point this morning on Bob Steele's show. You've got four of Junior Motorsports cars out of four Junior Motorsports cars in the playoffs. They We've had such a lack of drivers running full-time for the championship in the major organizations mm -hmm. this year. I would argue that Junior Motorsports may simply just overpower this whole thing and if you want to know who I'm looking at out of that stable, as much as I think of William Byron and certainly believe he can win the title, right now I think that, honestly, Allgaier may be the one out of that stable that could be the most sneaky, consistently good out of the whole bunch and end up winning this championship. But I think really, you know, when you look at the fact that you've got nobody from the Gibbs stable Matt other than Matt Tift... Well, who, that's because he's the only full-time driver. But at the this team is this my year. point again. Yeah. And, and Matt has spent the year learning as much as he has running for right. wins. So I don't see Matt winning the championship. No, I don't. Uh, Penske's got nobody. No, but that's because um, they never run a full-time uh, car. But again, I'm making the point that out of the major organizations, you got Junior Motorsports and you got Roush with Ryan Reed. Yeah. So take all of that down, uh, and I think that. Jacob, we've got a recipe here for Junior Motorsports to just simply overpower the rest of these teams. But I'm I'm watching Daniel Hemrick too. Okay, hold hold the phone a second here. Clarify this for me. Are you telling me that you believe the final four at Homestead are going to be the one, the five, the seven? No, and the no, nine? no, 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 no. No, that's not what I meant. I'm saying in terms of the majority of the the. I'm going to say wins, even though yeah. you saw some cup guys floating around. Uh, the majority of the wins, and basically they're just going to be, as a, as a group, the strongest group throughout the playoffs. Junior's got, I think, three cars. Thank you. They could win. Mike, I, I like Michael Annette. Think the world of Michael Annette. I don't think he's oh, – I don't see okay. him running for the championship. <laughs> yeah. Hang on so a I'm minute. Glad you, I'm glad you asked me to clarify yeah. that. Yeah, no, because it sounded like for a minute, Rents, that he was saying that JRM was going to be one, two, three, four no, no, at no. Homestead. No, no. No way on this planet. Sorry, Michael Annette fans. You can send me hate mail all you want, but that five car has not even been close to the mark this year, though I agree with Tom's point. Sadler, Byron, all guys are three of the final four right now and I like his point rent Daniel Hemrick's a sneaky good fourth yes. pick but I would argue that fourth spot at Homestead going into this playoffs could be split one of three ways Hemrick Cole Custer oh yes or sure, Cole. Uh, the 48 of Brennan Poole I forgot about Cole actually Ooh, all good choices. I think, honestly, Brennan Poole's going to trail off. If we're looking at this from a standpoint of, yeah, JRM's got three guys in the playoffs right now, and they and 
they all had two of his guys make it to the championship four last year. And one of his guys almost won it until, you know, back markers decided to stay out and ruin an entire championship in one lap. But when I look at it from that standpoint, I think Elliot Sadler, Tom, is really the guy we have to watch. He's been the embodiment of consistency. Yes, while William Byron has won three races this year, and now Justin Allgaier has his two, Elliot Sadler, through thick and thin, has been the guy that's led the charge. I think Daniel Hemrick's the guy that's really carrying the banner for Richard Childress Racing because, Tom, Brendan Gunn was nowhere to be found on Saturday afternoon, and Cole Custer is the really only lone Ford driver I think of because, to be honest with you, Ryan Reed isn't really going to make that much noise. He really struggles on mile-and-a-half tracks, and we don't have Talladega in the playoffs. So Colt Custer's going to have to carry that banner, and that's a first-year operation, Tom. Yeah, I completely— so, uh, I can see it. I completely forgot about Cole, and, uh, and <laughs> speaking of Cole, he's going to be uh, on next week's program, I believe. Yeah, he was going to be on tonight, but he was under the weather all weekend, and we certainly wish him well, yes. uh, hoping to catch up with him tomorrow at NASCAR Xfinity Series Playoff Media Day, oh, by the way. Yeah, I forgot about Cole, and actually, when you look at Cole Custer, if you want to talk about— Drivers going in with some momentum. I think Cole has been on an upswing the entire last probably he two months. He drove the um, best race of his Xfinity career on yes, Saturday. I agree. And I think that's that's an interesting fourth choice. And honestly, how cool would it be to see him get his first win in this playoff? And yes, I think there's please. a very good chance that happens. Cole may end up contending for the title at Homestead. And in a one-race situation where you've got no cup guys or whatever, if Cole could just keep sneaking up on it, he, he could might. give those teams fits. But that's what I'm saying. I, I think what I meant was I think Junior Motorsports has the chance to control their own destiny in the playoffs because yeah. the traditional teams that would contend against them don't have – quite the oomph that they normally have yeah. in, in a playoff scenario at this time of the year. Yeah, keep in mind, last year we had two cars out of the JRM stable, right. Allgaier and Sadler, and two cars out of the JGR stable Eric with Eric and Jones and Daniel Suarez, Suarez who won yeah. the championship. Yep. Both of them are at the cup level this year, so yep. it really gets interesting. However... What's going to be really, really interesting, Cisco, is the fact that this weekend at Kentucky, no cup, guys. It's the playoff opener. We get to have some fun. And I believe if you can start off strong with a win this weekend, it will go a long way until uh, to potentially getting you to Homestead. And it's also going to go a long way for us to figure out who's going who's gonna to stick it to JRM and who's going to be asleep for the rest of this because – you know, I'm looking at this at this grid of 12 guys right now, and I'm looking on there, and I see Blake Cook, I see uh, Jeremy Clements, I see Ryan Reed, I see Brennan Poole. All of those guys, at least from where I'm sitting, need to prove to me that they deserve to be in this, that they're going to be able to have the speed to match that JRM who's been here all year. Because you, you lost that excuse of, oh, well, JGR's just been winning every week or Penske's been winning every week because they bring in cup guys. You don't have that excuse anymore. You have yeah. to show up with your absolute best equipment here. Well, so I'm curious to see who that's going to be. JGR still wins a lot. They just win with different drivers now. Yes. Ryan Priest, Kyle Benjamin. And, well, Kyle's not won yet. No, but he's been close and yeah. almost chased Davidson too. Yeah, so, I Davidson mean, and Bell you know, were both Yeah, close Bell, that's year. right. I forgot, yeah. So... uh just, anyway. But I think this is Junior's year. If there, if there is, there's been a year for Junior Motorsports to really dominate the blast. I think this is it. But Custer and Hemerick are the wild cards. Absolutely. Now, trucks, 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 trucks. Rents. 
Chicago got off to a bang Friday night to close the regular season. And how about this Sauter guy who we really haven't talked about most of the regular season because Christopher Bell mm -hmm. has dominated our attention. The defending champion says, hey, y'all, forget about me. Watch this. Well, I think a lot of people forgot that Johnny Sauter was even a guy to contend with with the championship because he didn't win until, what, Dover this year? Yes, Dover. So it was late in, it was late in the season that he won, and then John Hunter Nemechek caught fire and won, what, two in a row, I mm -hmm. want to say? So it's been a really wacky and wild season. And while Christopher Bell is still the favorite, or for many people, I don't think he is. I think the favorite going into the championship four is Johnny Sauter. I think if the defending champion is in it, and GMS has got some good equipment, keep in mind, and they're, they only, we only have three Chevrolets in the championship fight, I honestly think that Johnny Sauter is the guy to watch. We go to New Hampshire. I, I said New Hampshire. Uh, a track that Kyle Busch Motorsports won last year with William Byron. I think Christopher Bell is going to be a guy to watch out for. But in the end, I think experience will trump will triumph over the youthfulness of what KBM has to offer. And it's going to be interesting to see because Matt Crafton's still not a guy that everyone seems to have written off Matt Crafton for some reason. Chase Briscoe is a guy that can kind of squeak on in there, uh, you guys. And one more for you here, Jacob. How about Ben Rhodes? We've you, got you, some mile and a halfs coming through. I think he's a guy that might be a sleeper coming through to the end. You do realize you just named everybody in the truck playoffs yeah. with the exception of Austin Cindric, right? Just gonna well, say. that's because well, that's because you can't wreck someone to make it to Homestead. So I, I'm aware of that. Now, well. the point that I wanted to make too, actually, the reason everybody's writing off Matt Crafton is because Matt Crafton's been non-existent here of late. But Tom, uh, the expression I believe Rents was going for was experience over exuberance, and I think he's right. I do believe that experience will win out in this case, though until somebody proves me otherwise, I believe it's the second-year experience of Christopher Bell that's going to do it. He probably should have won that race over the weekend until Johnny Sauter found something late that nobody else had. Well, but the key is Johnny Sauter found something late that no one else had. I do agree that Christopher Bell and Johnny Sauter are both going to be very tough in this playoff race and will probably end up being the two favorites. But look, Chase Briscoe has been improving rapidly. Okay, John Hunter Nemechek has always been fast and he is still, I think, a top four, top five truck everywhere he goes, even though his finish over the weekend was just a little off with seventh. Mm. But you know what? I mean, this is this is why we run these races, because, mm. you know, somebody like a Ben Rhodes, we forget he was one of the fastest trucks for a good part of this season, just hasn't gotten to victory lane yet. If he can just get one win in this playoff, I could see Ben suddenly getting that little extra confidence that he needs to carry him through to a championship run. It's not impossible, but right now my money's on Sauter, and that's why I picked him at Chicago. Yeah, we can we, we can dream that Ben gets a win. I'm just not convinced it's going to happen well, with all the we'll bad see. luck. He's got to get unsnake bit. Well, and that can happen any race. And honestly, uh, you know, you look at you look at some of the tracks that they're running in the playoffs, and I think you got some good tracks for Ben there. So Fair, we'll see. Fair enough. We're going to step aside. On the other side, we go to the open wheel set, and we bring back an old friend here to Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. We're back in a moment. 
Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Let's throw the green for Open Wheel Central on Motorsports Madness. Now back to the roundtable and Jacob Seelman. We're back, and that applies in more than one way here on the sure Madness. Does. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza here on the Performance Motorsports Network. And we're bringing back an old friend from WJHG, Joel Sebastianelli. Buddy, we missed you. What's up? 
Man, it's been a long time. I know you guys want to talk about the championship, but I just want to throw this out there. 171 days until we get back at it again in St. Pete. But who's counting? <laughs> you are. Certainly not you. You. <laughs> you, you always are, though, Joel. I, I knew that was coming no more we got on here because it's either that or he's counting down to the 500. It'll be March before it's May, but we'll get to that count that countdown eventually. Let's not rush the beginning of 2018 or the end of season discussion for 2017 because we got a lot to talk about. Now, see, we? I'm impressed because since Joel last appeared on our show, he's learned to count from 33 to 171. <laughs> <laughs> You're you're doing good, Joel. No, no, well, the situation required. <laughs> All right. So the number that we really need to be concerned with counting to is simple, because I can hold it up on one hand. Two, Joel. That is the number that we count to, because it is the number that won the championship. And I hate it when I have to sit here and say that Tom was right, but. Doggone it. Tom was right. Joseph Newgarden went to Penske and kicked everybody's butt. And he did something that I don't think people realized until Simon Pagano had to go through it. Uh, something that's actually quite difficult, even with a top flight team with like Penske, and that's win a championship or even be in contention for a championship in your first year, there may be one or two guys carried over from team to team, but generally you're starting with what's like a blank slate and it takes a while to get that chemistry. It takes a while to fit into what Penske is all about. But I think even when he was running with SFHR in 2012, 2013, Joseph Newgarden always had that Penske vibe about him. You could tell that he jumped off the page as somebody who, for one thing, had a ton of talent, too, carried himself and had the charisma and that Team Penske buttoned-up way about him. And so to come to this season, I think we all thought Joseph Newgarden would be good, but four wins, winning the championship— I'm not sure everybody had high odds on that. It certainly surprised me, but I think this is one of multiple championships coming for Joseph Newgarden. <clears throat> well, I do too, because I believe that he, when he went to Penske, and I'm going to go to Rents with this one, but I'm going to respond to you, Joel. When he went to Penske, I believe that he was already a championship caliber racer. If you look at that team the ECR team that he was with, I feel like he really carried that team and got almost more out of that team over the last couple of seasons than what was there. And I don't agree, although I know what you meant by it, but I don't agree with the choice of words saying he was already sort of that Penske buttoned up kind of driver. I think Joseph Newgarden brings a breath of not Penske buttoned up, almost a Brad Keselowski quality to that IndyCar team and was almost the antithesis. And I think the way that he's driven in some of the last few races really shows that. But Rents, I think that Newgarden is definitely somebody who could conceivably end up with five or even six championships Rents before he's done in IndyCar. I think he's going to be good. Wow. That's well, work. I mean, he he's the first American champion since Ryan Hunter Ray back yep. in what 2012, I want to say 2013, one of those 2012. Two years. Yeah, you were right. 
and and he's I think the third since 2000 mm-hmm. to yeah, win the, the title. So that's that's huge too. The other thing that I thought was interesting to start the year is I thought he was going to have growing pains going from you know the team he was at with Ed Carpenter to getting to a faster ride because the biggest thing you have to rem- remember is the fact that he's never driven anything that fast to be that methodical and that just all together. So the largest thing is when you see what Joseph's done, it's remarkable because he didn't do things that a young 20 year old would do behind the seat of an open wheel car yesterday. He was letting off going into the corners. He wasn't even using his push to pass till he had to. And to be quite honest with you, if anyone in that situation, that young saw Simon Passion at the end of the race, right in front of you for the race win, but you have the championship locked locked up. I really do think Jake, you would have made that move and try to push the buttons and maybe lost the championship right there. He is wise beyond his years. He's a guy that saw that formula one was not where he could go. Yep. And now he's looking at a path where he could feasibly, and I'm agreeing with Tom here, he could be the greatest American open wheel race car driver in this modern era, modern era, I will say, yes. to do what he has to do. I buy that. And this is where Stat Guy has a little fun, Joel, because he's a young American champion. He's the youngest champion of a unified. American IndyCar Championship since Jacques Villeneuve in 1995. That's going back a couple of decades. And as Robin Miller said before the NBCSN broadcast went off air on Sunday night, Joseph Newgarden is probably the most engaging, I think was the word that Robin used, champion that we've had in a long time. He gets the fan interaction. He gets that that's going to drive IndyCar forward. Exactly. And he's got the personality for it, too. That's the, that's the other thing that I love. He has got the personality unlike any champion we've had in a long, long time. I used the word ambassador last night. And Joseph Newgarden, I think, is going to be a tremendous ambassador for the sport of IndyCar racing. I love that word, ambassador. That's exactly what IndyCar needs is an American ambassador. That guy should be on every billboard, not just in the Indianapolis area, but any commercial that you're going to throw on NBCSN. Joseph Newgarden was the future for so long, and now that future is now. He is, as guys like Elio Castroneves get phased out of the sport, and Tony Kanaan as well in his final years, this is the new era, and he is the face of that era. When I say buttoned up, I suppose I just mean that he is wise beyond his years. The way he carries himself on the track and off is far different from most guys at his age. He is 26 years old, but I think having been through this now in the series for six years, he has the maturity on track to know when to push. He knew he didn't need to, quite literally, push to pass Simon Pagano. He was content sitting in second because he has the big picture in well, mind. He's hang on very a smart like that. Uh, I, I think we've all been so impressed ever since he first jumped into this series. And one of the important points, Jake, that you and I actually talked mm-hmm. about not too long ago is sometimes guys need to lose one before they know how to win one. That wasn't really the case with Joseph, was it? No, no, it wasn't because he was never truly in contention to win one 
up to now. So I don't know that he ever did learn how to lose one, but I do want to disagree with you on one little point. He was not content in any way exactly. to run second to Simon Pagano. He, he wanted so badly to disobey, Tom, what Tim Sendrick was sc about screaming in his ear the last 10 laps. Tim was telling him, stand down. Don't worry about Simon. Don't worry about Simon. And Joseph said on the championship stage, I was working a, wor worrying about Simon. That went against my natural instinct. I wanted to push. I wanted to get him. And I think that perhaps he could have gotten him. However, exactly. the lesson that was learned there, the lesson that Professor Tim taught student Joseph is big picture thinking. Yes. You didn't need that win. You're going to get plenty. It's championships that make history and make careers, Joel. Yes. And that was the lesson that Joseph learned. And I can't tell you how many times we've seen those orders disobeyed. No one wants to finish second. Let's get right. that out of the way. But again, it's thinking big picture. And that's what running for a team like Penn has just been those two. You, is the opportunity to have some of the smartest guys in the sport being the angel on your shoulder telling you what really is the smart thing. <laughs> yes. 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 Had it just been those two, it might it might have been a different scenario, but with all the lap traffic that kind of came into play at different times, yeah. Tim saw the bigger picture yeah. and said just stay away. And what's interesting here too, Joel, and this will be the final point I make on the championship before we go to break, when you stop and consider that the margin at the end of the year, 13 points. I know you can't truly isolate one moment that won or lost a championship for either of those two guys. But or, you know what I you. you know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> the the swing at Gateway when Joseph moved Simon, fifteen points. Absolutely. I think you can isolate that moment. Me that too. was the seminal moment of the IndyCar season. And to Simon Pagano's credit and Joseph Newgarden's credit as well, that's a move that had either of them been just one inch over, could have wrecked them both. Yep. And yep. then who knows how things unfold at Watkins Glen and Sonoma with the scenario as it is. Simon raced that just about as good as he possibly could have yeah, to who, avoid who, both of them getting taken out. And for Joseph Newgarden, that's one of the best IndyCar passes I've seen in the last couple of years. That's the moment that'll keep being replayed yeah. over and over and, and over. over. That again. is, I think, the moment Joseph Newgarden came into his own. Which is why I said, Jacob, that... This is not a Penske buttoned-up guy. This is a guy who wants it bad enough to be a hero or a zero. And that day, he was a hero, and it ended up winning him the championship. Yes, it did. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk more about Sonoma, the contenders that did not measure up, and one guy who celebrated in victory lane and left a little bloodied. Yes, Simon Pagano, we're looking at you. We'll be back with more Motorsports Madness right after this. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep. And my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it. Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. 
Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 this is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children name one of the leading killers of u.s children age 1 to 13 what's the best way to protect children in a car crash at what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm NASCAR driver William Byron. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Hey, we were talking about him earlier. William Byron, one of the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoff yep. drivers, hoping to kickstart with a victory at Kentucky this weekend. However, we're talking open wheel right now with our friend from WJHG down in Florida, Joel Sebastianelli, about Joseph Newgarden, who won the championship, and then the Frenchman, who was the outgoing champion, that won the race on... The most perfect Joel four-stop strategy I have ever seen in a race in my life. One does not just add a pit stop and still win a race, unless apparently you're Simon Pagano, the mad Frenchman. Hey, he did everything that he possibly could to put himself in contention when all is said and done to win this race. The entire Penske Brigade really did just that. They were within, never mind, just a second. I mean, there were times up at the top of the timesheets where less than a tenth of a second separating multiple drivers on this team. So they brought their best to Sonoma for sure. I thought it was interesting that between Will Powers' team and Joseph Newgarden's team, the crew made some changes. The rear tire changers were swapped. And I kind of wonder if that sits well with those guys who were swapped or not, working with different guys and getting pulled off their guy who they've been with all season in order to work with someone else within the team. Simon's team, if I'm not mistaken, stayed pat. And look, just because Will Power's team has won pit stop competitions before, and you could maybe argue that they're the best in the sport. Everyone in Penske 
even in the pits, is within tenths of a second of each other. Those guys have been well-oiled all season long. And I don't think that you can understate just how important the entire Penske pit crew has been to the success of all four drivers this season. Oh, and not just the pit crew, Joel, but uh, you stop and have to consider how hard Simon had to drive to be able to make up all that time on the racetrack and win with the extra pit stop. And he said it in victory lane. He was exhausted, and you could see it. There is something special about seeing a driver on the prowl particularly on a road course like Sonoma. I know it's not the most popular place (laughs) to have the season end, but I've got to say the season finales in IndyCar have not lacked drama. Almost as far as I can remember, especially at Sonoma, it's always been an exciting race. And I think whenever you have that group of guys up at the front, wherever you put the finale, it's going to be exciting and it's going to produce one, if not multiple, championship caliber drives down to the very end because that's certainly what Simon Pagino's drive was when you think yes. about it. It just didn't finish in a championship. Correct. And I, I think in a way it was fitting almost, wasn't it, Tom, that after the Gateway incident that Simon comes back with a different hand and ultimately gets one over on Joseph even if he doesn't win the big trophy? Um... I think that probably it is fitting, but I also think it was kind of predictable. I mean, honestly, Rents, I thought this entire race was disappointing. And it was I really, also caution-free. Yeah, it was caution-free, and it just there was no passing. There was really no entertaining racing for the most part. I mean, Sonoma's a terrible track to end your season and run your championship race on. They need to get it on an oval where these guys could slug it out. And I think social media pretty much agreed with me yesterday afternoon. That was just a bad train race. Even though it was one of those races where might have lulled some people to sleep. There were some things that kind of came out of it, Joel, that I felt were good turning points to look forward to in 2018. My personal favorite, really honestly, was Sebastian Bourdais scoring a top 10 finish to end the season. And what could have been for Dale Coyne Racing a championship effort if it hadn't been for the Indianapolis 500 uh, qualifying crash, he very well could have contended. And I think that's a story looking forward to is how does Dale Coyne Racing come back in 2018? Do they get stronger? Do they get weaker? Keep in mind, Sebastian Bourdais won the first two races to open this year's IndyCar Series season. There's the big three in IndyCar. You've got Penske, Ganassi, and Andretti. And after that, on any given week, you never know, or any given season, I should say, you never really know who's going to be number four. That tends to vary. And I think that Dale Coyne may have asserted itself. You could make the argument that they are number four on that IndyCar pecking order for the team. Sebastian Bourdais, what he did at the start of the season was remarkable. A first at St. Pete, second at Long Beach. Ed Jones, this year's Rookie of the Year, had top tens in those races. I think he's a guy who, for one thing, should have had more than one Rookie of the Year award this season, finishing third at Indianapolis. He's getting better and better. We saw his improvement from year to year in Indy Lights, what he's done now in an Indy car. I think with those two playing off each other, uh, an established veteran like Sebastian Bourdais, who's going to give you top 10 results 
seemingly no matter who he's with. I mean, they just get the most out of every driver, every crew member, every single piece on that car. There is nobody who does more, given the resources, than Dale Coyne. My hat is off to them as it is after every single season because it's just so special what they've managed to do. And don't think for a second they did not take a hit in their checkbooks with the amount of incidences they had, uh, especially when you, once he got to midseason. Yeah. Still, Coyne put it together, and at Sonoma was in position to score inside the top 10. Awesome. Yes, I love it. Now, for the Penske Brigade, Joel, we mentioned a win for Simon Pagano, a championship for Joseph Newgarden, and then there was Elio, who just was never really in the race-winning oh. conversation all season. It broke my heart. Me too. I wanted a title for the three so bad. We all did. You did. I did. The IndyCar community really did. He finishes fourth in points. However... There was a lot of speculation at Sonoma that Chevrolet is pressuring Penske to stay at four cars and more speculation that they want the lineup unchanged for 2018, especially in light of the fact that they were unsuccessful in courting Andretti Autosport away from Honda. How do you see this one playing out going into the next month or so? A lot differently than I did in July, that's for sure. With that accurate DPI program coming together, it seemed like almost a sure bet that at the end of the season, Elio would be moving to sports cars full-time with a one-off at Indianapolis. But now that he won at Iowa, and I think the other big domino here was Andretti. Once Andretti made the decision to stick, with their manufacturer to stick with Honda. That's where the dominoes literally fell in yeah. their social media video. That means that Chevy, if Penske was going to drop one car or uh, with Chip Ganassi, we still don't really know where that was going to go. Basically, no matter what was going to happen, Chevy was seemingly going to lose a car. And they don't want to lose cars from season to season. So for them as a manufacturer, it makes sense to have Roger at four now who would that fourth car be at penske i'm still not totally convinced that it will be elio i think everybody involved has some difficult decisions to be made within these next two or three weeks i do see roger being at four cars though because it's what makes the most sense for chevy and chevy and penske uh their relationship is of course mutually beneficial mm -hmm. Well, unless you believe that he's going to bring Brad Keselowski or Joey Logano or Ryan Blaney over from the NASCAR side, I don't know where you go outside of uh, Elio Castroneves unless uh, you can find that needle in a haystack among the drivers that still aren't settled yet. But we know Hinch is tied to Honda. So, yeah. I mean, unless something ended up changing there, I don't know of the drivers who's left who... Penske would seek that would be the kind of quality driver that he wants. I mean, Jake? I don't know. And the key to this is we're not going to know for a little while. We just have to play the wait-and-see game. I don't think he gets J.R. Hildebrand, who is now out of a ride at ECR. The good news is that means Spencer Piggott's been elevated to a full-time ride for the 2018 season. Yeah. But that's going to be a topic that uh, we have more time to broach on another day. Joel, really quickly, I do want to hit on the first lap implosion 
that's that's the right word, isn't it, in Singapore? Everybody just lost their minds, and nobody except Lewis Hamilton ended up winning. I mean, this was a race Lewis was supposed to not win. He sucked all weekend, and they handed it to him on a silver <laughs> platter. Ah! Everything about this race going in had the makings of a race that not only would Mercedes not win, but there could have been a surprise in store. Running under the lights in the rain. Oh my gosh, I loved it. And before you get to turn one, this wasn't even a turn one crash. This was a crash coming down to turn one with, I think you have to break it down this way. Vettel shooting to the inside the way he did, trying to push Verstappen. In retrospect, not a great move, even though it would have worked had Kimi Raikkonen not pulled to the inside of Vettel and put a bit of a, or excuse me, not Vettel, of Verstappen and put a bit of a squeeze on him too. Verstappen, you know, maybe conventional wisdom holds that if you're the third car in line, you're the one who lets out. Uh, But between him and Kimmy, just a slight deviation in their line. They all get together. And what can you say? What could have been a magical night in Singapore just had a lot of F1 fans and teams wringing their hands together at the end. It was certainly an exciting race uh, in that first portion. I'll give it that. I'm not an insurance adjuster. I have no need (laughs) to assign percentage of blame that was just a racing incident that harmed everybody <laughs> with the exception of Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. <laughs> I like that. Insurance adjuster. Yeah, pretty much. Look where he went with that. There's a few that needed some insurance after yeah. how many cars were junked in turn one at the start of that deal. Joel, I hate that half an hour is already up. It's always fun. And I, I, I need to thank some people down in Florida for potentially letting this happen Uh, a few more times before the end of the year. I like the possibility of more often, and we will look forward to breaking down Silly Season with you here as it moves forward in the next few weeks. Yeah, and hey, let's look on the bright side, though, because I don't want to leave on a negative note about Formula One. Wasn't it at least refreshing to see Fernando Alonso and McLaren retire from a race for something that wasn't (laughs) an engine failure? (laughs) Yes. Amen, brother. Amen. We're going to step aside on that note. And when we come back, we talk dirt. We bring in Steve Ovens. And we talk 358 modifieds with Bill Shea out of New York because Utica Rome's going the unconventional strategy for 2018. More Motorsports Madness. The second half gets the green flag when we come back to the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute, in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend 
My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to answer all your safety questions and help you find the right product for your needs. Serving the majority of Monster Energy, NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as SCCA and club level racers, HMS is always on your side. Stop in to HMS Motorsport or visit them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Porkchop, Stephen Evans. Food and dirt, what more can you ask for? Welcome back to the madness. We start hour number two on the Performance Motorsports Network, and we are joined by Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens. And if you're looking for all the race results and all that fun stuff that we normally talk about, we're going to get to that in our next segment. However, we are going to start off tonight, Steve-O, with a special little segment here with a special guest talking about some of the changes that you and I discussed last week at the end of our dirt track time coming to modified racing in New York. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about this big change that's really made a lot of headlines, Tom, up here in the Northeast, who better to talk to than the man running the show at Utica Rome Speedway, Bill Shea? Nobody better to talk to. Let's uh, let's get him out here and uh, talk to him. Bill Shea, welcome back to the program. Good to have you on. And this is an interesting decision that you've made. Talk to us a little bit about the genesis of this. Walk us through sort of the process of getting to the point where you decided to make the switch from big block to 358 racing in 2018. Well, <laughs> Hey, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. And, uh, Always. you know, we'll talk about all the things that that you just mentioned. The, you know, 358, I'll tell you how I got started with it, is a few years ago, um, Willie Decker and myself, Willie was a driver. Yep. We had a modified, and it was a 358. And we ran with some big blocks and stuff, and... Uh, then we decided we need to get a big block, and I had raced small block supers up at Oswego with my son, and I thought, well, how bad can a big block be? Well, first off, it was pretty expensive. Secondly, the maintenance on the car was incredible. Um, you know, 
eight to nine hundred horsepower on a track that's got a lot of bike just tears the drivetrain up and um, you know you're you're working on it all the time as compared to a sportsman or a small block okay so you know we started we purchased Utica Rome was fortunate enough to be able to do that a few years ago and um, went through the big black thing and things were going okay um, we switched from NASCAR to dirt sanctioning this year and things got better. And, uh, you know, we averaged between 19 and 24 cars on a weekly basis, but I got looking at it and, uh, we had probably 10 small blocks racing with the big blocks. And, you know, they were, they weren't winning races, but they were somewhat competitive on some nights. And, um, uh, you know, that the guys were racing them because that's what they could afford. So I'd hooked up with the King of Dirt series, and, uh, you know, we, we had three sportsmen King of Dirt races, and we decided they started a 358 class, and we decided that we'd have a couple of those this year in special shows. And our first show, we had 42 358 modified show up. And it was some of the best racing we've had all year. And uh, the second show, we had like 36 show up. And again, it was outstanding racing. Um, you know, some of the names remain the same. Matt Shepard won one of them. And Eric Rudolph won the other. But they were they were very competitive. There were a lot of guys fighting for the top five in the win. So it was a really good show. And the fans told me how much they liked it. So, a year ago, I'm thinking, I want to do this 358 thing when I schedule these two races. But I didn't dare do it by myself because I couldn't be on an island up here all alone, you know, being the only track that runs 358 series. So, I was up at Brewerton one Friday night. I only got up there a couple times this year. And John White... Um, who has treated me very well over the years, um, given me advice on different races. He's the owner of Brewerton and Fulton. He says, uh, Bill, you had a great 358 race. And I said, yeah, it was outstanding. Um, you ever think about doing that full time? And I said, you know, John, I have, but I don't dare do it and be the only one. Well, what if Fulton was 358? And I said, you know, that might do it. So we had a couple meetings, talked about it. And, uh, we decided we were going to do it, and what it does is gives an opportunity for the guys that run the Crate Sportsman, the Dirt Crate Sportsman, which runs the 602 GM Crate engine, um, an opportunity to move up and spend, you know, maybe ten to twelve thousand dollars on a W16 engine that Dirt has approved, or fifteen to eighteen thousand on a brand new 358. As opposed to thirty to fifty thousand for big block, so that's the reason. I think it makes sense, and I hope it makes sense. Um, you know, we plan on moving forward with it, and uh, we're committed to it to make it work. And we're going to have good purses. We're going to have special shows. John and I have talked about doing a series between the two tracks, um, and we'll see. Maybe another track or two will come along. So that's that's the reasoning behind it. Bill, this is Steve Ovens. I, I, I love that thought process. And the other thing that I love about this change is how well 
two tracks have come together to, to do this, because like you said, doing this on your own is just not something that would have led, uh, you know, one individual track to success trying to do this. But the thing that I really, really love about this, Bill, is the fact that you just mentioned it. There is a very, very large and very talented crop of great sportsman racers. And just recently, you guys have saw how many talented great racers there were at a big event you guys just held. So I have to believe that there had to be quite a calling from the pit area to somebody like yourself, a track owner that was thinking about making this big of a move. Well, you know, it's surprising. We didn't have that many people asking about it. Um, you know, we had a lot of people complaining that they couldn't afford to jump to big blocks. And um, when we did the small black thing, we have, on a weekly basis, we have five drivers that used to race big black modified that have given up because it was, they weren't having fun. They just couldn't compete with, uh, you know, the Matt Shepherds of the world and, 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 um, you know, the guys that are winning every week. And so they dropped back to a 602 crate. Well, they like racing, they're having fun, but they'd like to move up. So this gives them a great opportunity. And I've heard from all those guys, and they're all looking for sponsors to, to get, you know, their engine program together. And, you know, I'm hoping they do it because it'll be great. Um, you know, and then we have the seven or eight modifieds that are weekly with us that are small blocks. So, I think we'll wind up with full fields at, at both tracks, and it'll be great racing. Utica, Rome, and Fulton both have a history of 358 racing years ago on the old outlaw circuit. And, uh, you know, Tom Baker, my friend Tom, and your associate, um, he's very familiar with that because they were, uh, they were very popular. Eric Kingsley put that together originally, I think. And it was just an outstanding series. And people remember that. I've had a lot of people say, hey, is this the old Outlaw series? And no, it is not. It's Dirt Sanction. We're going to run Dirt Sanction and and have a couple of uh, 358 Dirt Series major events at the track. So it'll be, it'll be exciting. And you're right. It's going to bring a whole new crop of racers into the Modifieds. Now, you also brought up earlier talking about that w16 engine that's been approved uh, to use in the small block division we saw how successful that engine package was last year during super dirt week so from what you're hearing do, do you feel like this is the way that small blocks are are heading or or looking to go because it's affordable because it it gives the you know again these guys an opportunity to step up do you feel that the W16 is going to be the future of this division? I don't know if it's going to be the future, but it's going to be super competitive. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys have, we used to run a class that was called the Open Sportsman class, and they're basically 358s um, with a two-barrel carburetor and some cam and, and um, lifter restrictions. Now... They can change, you know, their heads and go with a four-barrel, and they're 358 modified. So I think there's a lot of engines out there sitting on shelves that haven't been used because the open sportsman class has 
dwindled in favor of the crate class because that got fairly expensive. But uh, those guys can't afford to run a, you know, they couldn't afford to move up to a big block, or they didn't, maybe they could afford and they didn't choose to. But they can go to the 358 series and, and be very competitive. So I think, Steve, to answer your question, there'll be as many 358s as there are W16s. But the W16 is a great alternative. I know a few guys that that are going right out and buying them because of the price. They're $12,000 complete top to bottom. And, uh, you know, you can't beat that. Okay, so Bill Shea, I think you just set a record here for this show as the first person who's ever talked about me in the third person as if I wasn't the guy that brought you on the air. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know what? I'm okay with that. I was just sort of hanging out over here on the sidelines of the pit area, drinking the Mountain Dew, waiting for uh, you and Steve to get finished. But uh, we really do appreciate having you on the show and that was some great information there and great insight and man i wish you luck with this i love that you and uh, john are doing this together at fulton and utica rome and i hope that it works well for you because you certainly both of you uh, i think are making a move here that's kind of against the stream but i love it and i think it's going to be good for racing up there so good luck with that and we look forward to talking to you again before the season starts well, and you know, Tom, we also have another track that's already involved. Um, Can Am has run 358s all year, and Mohawk. So nice. You know, there we get the guys from up north. We can get them to travel south. Um, you know, and it gives them another alternative. And I think it's going to build. I think the 358, with as Steve mentioned, the inventory of sportsman cars out yep. there is incredible. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know, if some of those guys move up. It allows some of the newer guys to get in, qualify for the features, and, and get some seat time. I think it would be great for everybody. It's a great feeder system. Yes, com For more information about the track, thank you, Bill Shea, for taking some time to be on the Madness with us here tonight. And uh, all the best for a safe uh, winter season. With that, we are going to step aside when we come back more of Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. 
That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Tyler Dipple, and you're listening to their Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. I guess it's party time, Steve, and that's appropriate because Tyler Dipple made a lot of waves in the dirt before he went pavement. So, hey, if it's... Well, it's it's just so funny because Tyler Dipple, although an incredible wheelman, has got that smooth, velvety, monotone voice, and then he got the party music to bring him in. I mean, it's, it's just great stuff. Gee, I wonder who orchestrated that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was the perfect blend there. Oh, goodness. Anyway, welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens, Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza on a Monday night here talking racing and Right now, going to talk about some of the actual dirt racing that happened over the weekend, Steve-O. We'll start with the clash of the titans in the world of Outlaws Craftsman Sprint Car Series because the two guys who are fighting for the championship split a pair of wins over the weekend in the Wine Country Outlaw Showdown. Fun! We had IndyCar at Sonoma, and we had the Outlaws at Calistoga. Brad Sweet wins night one, Donnie Schatz wins night two. The points, basically an absolute wash. Yeah, it was. And, you know, it, it just this was this, I think this gives us an indication of what we're going to see over the next stretch of races, Jacob, as we head uh, full steam ahead toward the end of the year and the world finals. And, you know, for some of the fans up here in the Northeast, you know, this is this is really getting good because they make one last big swing up through here in our neck of the woods before they head down to the world finals to settle this deal. And I got to tell you, Donnie shots, Brad sweet, you know, not, not the two guys that I would have said maybe mid season or early in the year, probably not the two guys that I would have picked out to say, you know, these are the guys that are going to battle it out for the championship. And let me clarify that by saying not these two paired together. You know, I you you know Donnie Schatz is going to compete always, but I really didn't think that Brad Sweet was going to get on a run like this to pull themselves back into contention. You know, we thought all along it was going to be Shots and Gravel. Now it's Brad Sweet and Shots. They split the weekend, and we could see this all the way down to the end, Jacob. It really could come down to World Finals. 
Oh, I hope it does because that's something we haven't had since 2014 when uh, when Darren Pittman and Shots yes. were going at this all the way to the end and Pittman actually beat him. Appropriate maybe this time that it's his teammate with the shot at it. But the other thing too here, Steve, is Saturday was Shotzi's 18th win of the season. He is three wins away from a magical number with the Outlaws. Three wins, and he will have 250 for his career. Do we get there before the end of the year? And if we do, how important of a moment is that going to be in the grand scope? Um, it, it's big. You know, it's a milestone. You can't you can't gloss over the fact that it's a milestone. Do we reach it? Absolutely. I don't think there's any question that he's going to get at least three more. And, and Jacob, I'm going to go one further to say, I think Schatz has got a chance as he started to turn the wick up now just a little bit. And that's funny to say about Donnie Schatz. But as he starts to turn the wick up here, trying to close out this championship, not only does he get to 21, I think he's got a real shot at, at getting 25 before we're all said and done here. Because... Now they're at the point where they're running up front and closing the deal. Mm -hmm. They're not winning four or five, six races in a row, but they are closing the deal when they're up front in position. I want to transition to the big blocks, appropriate, because we were talking with Bill Shea in the last segment about the uh, 358, basically the small blocks versus the big blocks. But the master of the big blocks lately, he actually mentioned Matt Shepard, since July 25th, has won nine of the last 12 Super Dirt Car Series Big Block Modified events. He has come from a two-race suspension to 21 points, 2-1 behind Billy Decker for what would be his sixth title, and I believe, what, fourth in a row, Steve, if I have my memory serving itself correctly here this is a run i said it a month ago i'll say it again even more so of epic epic proportions right now oh absolutely and and if <laughs> i'm sitting here as not only a fan but a, a media member and i'm looking at the rest of the super dirt car series and saying hello you know i come from the healthcare background and i'm saying paging the rest of the super dirt car series <laughs> where yes. the hell are you guys what are you doing this guy is on a run like and, and i would have to go back all the way through the record books jacob to to really vet this out i'm not sure we've ever seen a run like this you talk about matt shepherd being the master well you know we need to compare him to the master of going faster bob mccready because I don't even know if Bob McCready went on a run like this. Nine out of 12. It's it's starting up here in the Northeast, Jacob. It's starting to become a running joke that at the end of the race, we're going to see a victory lane picture with Matt Shepard. I mean, nobody else is even in the, in, in the picture right now. Yeah. Larry White got one in there. Uh, Peter Britton got one in there. But, guys, this is just – this is unbelievable. I, I truly believe – that he's going to make a liar out of me. I thought this was Billy Decker's championship to win, but Matt Shepard is no joke right now. And and if he keeps going like this, 
I mean, he could have it well in hand before we even get to the World Finals. And we thought 12 wins last season was impressive. He's already got 10 right now, and yeah. we're not even to Super Dirt Week yet. And and you talk about Super Dirt Week, Jacob. Watch for I'm telling you, watch for this team to come out just hungry for blood. That race got away from them last year. They had an overheating yeah, issue with the engine. They had a lot of de uh, long delays with red flags that really took that race out of his hands. And I'm telling you, with a track surface that so far is already looked like it's going to be massively improved. Oh, yeah. Watch out for the 9S come first weekend of October. Oh, that track surface looks beautiful right now. I've seen some pictures of it on the Oswego Speedway Facebook page, Tom. It looks like glass. It does. And, of course, the aforementioned Eric Kingsley uh, preparing that yes. track, uh, yeah. which is the smartest thing that uh, everyone involved um you know, ever did, honestly, was uh, get him to do this for the second year because after last year, I think we needed some stability mm -hmm. there. And, you know, Eric is one of the masters at it, in my opinion. I agree with that. Now, Steve, one more big event that happened over the weekend was for the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series and really dirt late models across the country, the Knoxville Late Model Nationals, the 14th edition, 40,000 to win and I love it when we get to talk about a name that we don't talk about a whole lot on this show, Steve-O. But Mike Marler, one of the stars of the Midwest dirt late model scene, that 157, the black with the yellow numbers, just about as famous in the Midwest as the Rocket One car is here anywhere in the country, but especially on the East Coast, for him to beat the best, Josh Richards, and hold off the best of late in Jonathan Davenport, this was a crown jewel win, and he becomes the first driver to win it back-to-back. -back. Yeah, and, and that is incredible all in and of itself. Uh, not only does he win it back-to-back, He's the first driver to do that in the 14-year history of the Nationals. So so let's just break this down, Jacob. You're the first driver in 14 years to win it back-to-back. -back. You you go up and pass Josh Richards. Yeah, let that sink in yeah. for a second. You went up and passed Josh Richards to take the lead. And, and let's not forget, too, Jacob, that in this race, it almost was for not for Marler because as he was making a move on Landers, the yellow came out. And fortunately for Marler, he was able to get back by Landers because when the yellow comes out, they had to put him back into position back behind Landers. So this was almost for not. Uh, but what a late race charge. When, when you can say you beat out Richards, Davenport, uh, I mean, holy cow. And, and and Davenport, that was a story in itself because yeah. we just talked about it last week. We hadn't talked about Davenport. It seemed like all summer long we hadn't talked about this guy. Yeah, he and G.R. Smith have really, 
really hit on something lately and bringing sure his have. old crew chief back, Kevin Rumley, that I think has been the key. Rumley's support has been the catalyst for this uh, Carolina-based team, and I think they've really showed that. But, Steve, how about a call to Jared Landers, too, who couldn't even race at Knoxville a year ago because he had a back injury that kept him out of the car for a couple of months to come back, run third, pick up a $10,000 check. The kid from Batesville did all right. Yeah, absolutely, and and he was running up against the best of them uh, late in that event, and, and when you talk about some of the guys, Jacob, that finished behind him in the top 10, I mean, just just think, you know, some of these names, Jimmy Owens, Brandon Shepard, Hudson O'Neill, Bobby Pierce, Steve Francis, and Tim McCready, the top yeah. 10. He beat all of those guys to finish on the podium in third. Yeah. Just incredible. Oh, by the way, if you're looking for Scott Bloomquist, he was even further back in 13th. Josh Richards, a flat tire with five to go, comes up 18th. And you highlighted somebody, Steve, before we go to break, that I want to give a call to. How about little 16-year-old Hudson O'Neill finishing seventh in the biggest race for dirt late model racing? For me, that's my call. He gets rookie of the race, and doggone, yep. he put up a nice drive. Oh, he sure did, and and that was exactly going to be my point, Jacob. Uh, rookie of the race, finished in the seventh spot. Uh, not a bad night for the O'Neill guys, uh, especially that youngster who he is going to be. He, you know, he is going to be one of the young guns that you've got to you've got to watch as his career progresses. Yes. Because, as you said, Jacob, he's only 16 years old. Oh, yeah, he's coming, and he took over the lead in Rookie of the Year standings from Greg Satterley as well following that win. And, oh, by the way, speaking of the points, Steve-O, T-Mac is now just 90 points back of Josh Richards. This title fight going to go all the way to the wire. Don't call it a comeback, but I, <laughs> I, I am so impressed because – Guys, I, I thought for a, a small stretch of summer where they kind of got off track a little bit, I didn't think they were going to have an opportunity to get back this close again. And a, to a top 10 finish the other night certainly helps out. And, you know, without a doubt, you, you without even saying it, you know the whole Northeast is pulling for that guy, so watch out for him. You better believe it. Steve Ovens, always a pleasure. We'll do it again next Monday. And... Oh gosh, I, it's getting fun. We're we're the countdown to Super Dirt Week is almost upon us. Next Monday we get to start breaking all that down in advance of the kickoff on October first. Absolutely, um, we're we're going to be following the action without a doubt. We'll be on site covering the event uh, on on the Sunday of the 200 for sure. And guys, before I step out, I just wanted to make mention real quick. I want to send uh, uh, get well wishes to Steve Poirier, um, multi-time Empire Super Sprints champion, was competing at the Canadian Sprint Nationals on Saturday night, got into a wicked crash and broke several vertebrae in his back. Ooh, so ooh. he's going to be recovering in the off season. But um, get well wishes going out to the fireball. Oh, yeah, definitely agree with that. Steve's always been a fierce competitor up in that area, and we'll add our well wishes for a speedy recovery uh, and best wishes to see him back in the car sooner rather than later. Steve Ovens, our Northeast Dirt correspondent, joining us here on The Madness. We're going to step aside when we come back. We talk straight liners here on The Madness. NHRA Drag Racing from ZMAX Dragway here down the road. You're listening to The Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. 
parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. I'm an HRA Pro Stock Racer, Tanner Gray, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Well, one would think that was planned. Nice job, Hunter Yancey, behind the glass to pull that at just the right moment. Because, for those who are coming back to Motorsports Madness, expecting a different form of racing, I mentioned before the break we're talking straight liners inappropriately, Tanner Gray was one of four winners in the NHRA Carolina Nationals playoff opener Sunday at Z-Max Dragway, right down the road over in Concord, Tom. You and I was there, and Tanner was there, and Tanner smoked him. <laughs> yeah, he really did. You know, it was a really inter- excuse me, interesting day of racing. If you, <laughs> if you weren't careful and you were playing favorites or picking favorites, 
and you were friendly wagering among yourselves in the grandstand or watching it on TV, you would have lost a lot of money because most of the favorites got smoked. Tanner was really one of the only ones who didn't. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think it was really interesting to see him get a win in front of what, you know, pretty much is a hometown crowd. That was really, really special for him. And you could feel it yeah. in his reaction post-race. It was absolutely a hometown win. Their shop is down the other side in Denver, which yeah. is about 35 minutes from the racetrack, give or take traffic. So, of course, it was a big day. His uncle, Jonathan Gray, got the win in Pro Mod. His grandpa... Johnny was there. His dad, Shane, was there. There was three generations of gray racers in Victory Lane, and he had a ton of family out from New Mexico, too. Yeah. I know it was a, it was a huge, took almost half an hour to get everybody shuttled through the pictures in that Victory Lane celebration. Just a huge moment. And what was cool about it is they unveiled a new paint scheme for the countdown with, as Tanner put it, bringing a little oval track to the drag strip, putting the number on the side of his pro stock Chevrolet Camaro. Yeah, I think that honestly all of these guys and girls that made it as far as they did in this one, and especially I think I think the number thing for Tanner was really, if you want to look at it, to me, a little bit of a shot for the bow to say, okay, let's Let's all you other racers here take a look at this because, you know, this is a neat way to tie racing back together and do it in a way that makes sense. I'm not sure mm. you can do a whole lot with, you know, say a top fuel uh, with all no. of that. But, uh, you know, the funny cars and anyone else certainly could. And I think it, I just think it's very cool to see a number like that. And it seemed to me like he was trying to be different. And at the same time, maybe this is a look we could and I would prefer to see a little more of. Oh, I think it'd be a lot of fun. And it, maybe Tanner sparks a trend. Who knows? Well, but it's, yeah. I mean, you know, like I started to say, of all the, the, the winners the other day, he was the one to me that stuck out the most just because of that number. All right. So in addition to Tanner in Pro Stock, Pro Stock Motorcycles, the Battle of the Harley-Davidson yeah. Street Rods. Hi, Eddie Krawick. Welcome back to the playoffs. Yeah, and, you know, again, what a what a great run that was. You know, we, we had so many uh, sort of all-team final rounds ye yesterday, which I thought was really interesting, you know. Um, and Pro you know, Stock was the only one that wasn't an all-team yeah, final round. Yeah, and I thought that was really interesting because you don't see, I don't think you see that many of them in the finals um, like we did yesterday very often. So, again, you know, some heavy hitters got knocked out. But, yeah, that was a big run for Craywick. And, you know, he really liked Charlotte, so I'm not totally surprised that he uh, got the win there. But uh, that was fun to watch. It was a lot of fun to watch and good to see the street rods performing so well yes. because they just unveiled the new Harley-Davidson race bikes a couple of yep. races ago. So they've certainly wasted no time in getting them up to speed. Not at all. Nitro classes? Tom likes the nitro classes. I do. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who's dead. Not, not to be morbid, <laughs> yeah. just be yeah. honest. I, yeah, if you, if you do, if there isn't something to like for you about uh, the nitro classes, you are dead. <laughs> Check your pulse. In a season that has been absolutely dominated by Don Schumacher racing, for the first time since Phoenix 
in February of 2016, all eight Don Schumacher Racing Nitro entries, four in Top Fuel, four in Funny Car, were out at the end of round two. Yeah. That's what I said on Race Chaser Online earlier today. If you missed my story, upset, upset, read all about it. Yeah, it really was. Uh, and conversely, it was an interesting day, I thought, for John Force Racing. Oh, gosh. The first time that both of their cars have made it to a final, I think, since John won in uh, Gainesville, way back at the start of the season. I mean, this has been not the season that John Force Racing has wanted. I know Robert's gotten a few, and Robert got another one over Courtney. That's three wins for the Auto Club car now, and Courtney, despite seven pole qualifying efforts, still not quite the yellow hat. Nope, and, you know, she had to beat her dad to uh, yeah, get to the she final. did. And, you know, again, it was really a great day for the team. And I know John always likes to be the one to win, but I know mm -hmm. he had to be happy for, uh, you know, Courtney just to make it to the finals for yep. Robert to win. Um, you know, just uh, again in that class, same kind of thing. I mean, you know, upsets all over the place. Oh, Drivers that you thought would be in the semifinals, the final round, gone. Who I thought mean, that Ron Caps would yeah. go out in round two after winning six races this season? Yep, exactly right. It's, oh, uh, man. It was a really, really strange day yesterday, but it was a good day for the underdogs, and that's fun. It really it was. It shows you how deep the competition is in yes. the NHRA, as I've yes. said all year, and we saw that come to the front. Yes. I think it was J.R. Todd that actually beat Ron Caps. Uh, yeah, to, right. to knock him out yep. in the DHL car. That was yep. that was a big moment, and it could be a big turning point. We'll talk about points in a second. But first, Top Fuel, Kalita Motorsports has had zero oh. luck in Top Fuel all Gosh. year. They guaranteed themselves their first win of the season by get, putting two cars in the final yep. round. Before we talk about the guy that actually won the race, if you had Richie Crampton in the Seal Master Dragster in his second race with the team, making it all the way to the finals, I want you to go and buy me a lottery ticket because that <laughs> was, for the Australian, I know he's good. He's a former NHRA Rookie of yep. the Year, former Countdown contender. But I didn't expect this, not in his second race with Coletta. Well, you know, again, it shows you not only the capability of that team, but the ability that Crampton has, and again, an all-team final. And as you said, uh, you know, that's what the story of the day was, it seems like. But how about Doug Coletta? Air Doug! Yes. Coletta Motorsports as a team had never won at Z-Max Dragway, period. Yep. Much big, less big, big Doug Coletta. Yeah, he beats his teammate. He goes 370 in the final. I mean, or 377, sorry, yeah. in the final monster run out of the Mac Tools car. And here's the biggest point out of all of this, Tom. All four drivers that won the race ended up taking the points lead in their respective classes at the end of the day, including Doug Kalita, who went from fifth to first because by the time we got to the semifinals, the top Four gone. in top fuel were gone, including Leah Pritchett, who yep. got knocked out round one. Yeah, it was, like I said, just a bizarre day. You basically shook them all up, 
and you tipped them upside down, and that's what you got. And uh, again, uh, thanks to everyone with the NHRA for for hosting this event in Zmax. It was a great time. We always have fun yes. going out there and covering yes. those, and and just the drivers and the personalities in that form of racing are just great. And you know, even the the ones that don't make it to the finals are always good natured after Clay the Milliken. events are over. Clay Milliken, yeah, oh. great example of the Parts Plus team. I mean, that's just. Um, one of many. It was a great day. It really was a great day, and NHRA back in action this weekend, round two of the playoffs at Maple Grove Raceway yep. in Reading, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. So we'll look forward to that on the Fox Sports family of networks this weekend. We're also going to step away to a break when we come back. Performance picks, lightning round, and a white flag on the madness. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. 
Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Things of a news variety that we haven't talked about on this show yet. Before we get into our performance picks, we'll mention it. We did on our Thursday stock car show, Tom. But how about Tyler Reddick, a full-time opportunity at JRM next year? Yeah, how about Tyler Reddick? Uh, That's a good situation for him. It gives him, obviously, stability around him in a winning environment in a car that is a playoff car with a playoff caliber team and a chance to run for a championship which i think is a nice progression for tyler who's been part-time basically with ganassi and will get now an opportunity to run the full schedule and you know who knows where that leads that's uh that's a nice situation for him and i'm happy for him oh yeah i am too i think it's going to be great and it'll be good to see him in hopefully championship contention next year with that we go into our performance picks Gentlemen, and we go to a split weekend for NASCAR. Cup and Trucks are at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway this weekend, the Magic Mile. Xfinity is at Kentucky this weekend. No IndyCar, obviously that's done. Rents, remind me, do we have an F1 race? I don't feel like we have an uh, F1 race. Not, it's going to be the Malaysian Grand Prix, and that's going to be October 1st. By Yay. the way, that's the final Malaysian Grand Prix ever. Oh, Keep in mind that. Yeah, I'm going to miss Seapang. We're all going to miss Seapang. Seapang is a great track. So anyway. just fun. Say, it's just fun saying Seapang. Yeah, <laughs> this is a true statement. All right, so just three NASCAR races this weekend, and I start because I suck again. <laughs> <sighs> uh, come on. Don't be so hard on yourself. Well, you just had a bad week. Hey, uh, I, yeah, the, on, the only time I was good was the cup race when Truex won. Other yeah, than that, well, I sucked. You know. Is what it is. I tried. Anyway. I got two out of three. I'm happy. Yeah, Martin Truex <laughs> did, n- did not do enough to bail me out. So... <laughs> well, because I picked them too. Yeah. All right, kids. Here's the deal. Round one of the playoffs for the trucks. The dominant truck is going to move on. Christopher Bell is going to win at Loudon. Done. Simple. In the cup race at Loudon, flat track Denny is going to win and advance to round number two and complete the season sweep because he's good on flat tracks. In the Xfinity series, there are no cup guys, which also means that the winningest Xfinity driver not named Kyle Busch this season is going to win. William Byron gets number four and opens the playoffs with a bang. Cisco. Okay. Well, it stinks because I have to agree with you on two of those. That's okay. I have to agree. It is okay. Chris Bell Bell makes it happen, and Byron makes it happen. Those on the minor series side, I think those are the two guys you go with. As far as the Cup Series goes, it's New Hampshire. You know what? I'm going to take Jacob's Thunder from one week ago. I say Joey Logano wins at New Hampshire. Hmm. A non-playoff guy. Wow. Yeah. I think he was up there beforehand. Kind of he was around there in Chicago. He didn't get the sixth place that Kez had, but he was up there for a lot of that race, and New Hampshire is a very Logano track. So, you know what? I'm going Logano. I think despite not being in the playoffs, 
he just badly just wants to win. So yes. that's what I'm going with. Rent. All right. Um, did, did you get Xfinity, by the way, Cisco? Yes, he picked yes, uh, Byron. Cool. Byron. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, you picked Byron. Wow, you guys are very generic here in your responses. I'm going to choose Matt Crafton to go to Victor Lane in the truck series. Crafton's uh, been... Uh-huh, uh-huh. Crafton needs to start a championship run now, and I think they're going to really unleash the beast. <laughs> For the Cup Series event, you got the right team, Cisco, but you didn't get the right driver. It's going to really? be Brad Keselowski going to victory lane. Keselowski could have won it, la- what, two years ago until he got that random black flag with, like, 10 to go that really wasn't a black flag. So give me Brad K. And in the Xfinity race, y'all are all wrong here because the guy that's going to go to victory lane is the guy that could have won last weekend and the guy we're going to have on the show next week cole custer goes to victory lane starts his championship run on the right foot and also gets his first career win so rent is calling it now cole custer wins and we bring him in here on monday well, and then we'll shake hands via skype yeah. I, I don't know skype shake and the the sad part about this is he stole my thunder because that's who i was gonna uh, pick in the xfinity series so uh, um so i'm gonna go ahead and pick him anyway because so, you can because i can and because that was where i was going to begin with so i'll agree with rents the xfinity series i disagree with him and all of you in the trucks because there's one driver who's really really good uh at uh tracks like this who i think starts i'm not going to say it's a championship run but certainly starts a good playoff run in this race john hunter nemechek okay gets the win in the truck series and in the cup series I want so badly to pick Brad Keselowski, but the only reason I can't do that is because I believe what I see, and I see Toyotas. Toyotas everywhere, man. (laughs) So does Brad. He's still complaining. Yeah, I can't pick against the Toyotas. So because I can't do that, give me Kyle Busch. To get a win after the debacle he had last week. Because angry Kyle equals fast Kyle. Angry Kyle equals fast Kyle. And get out of my way. It's going to be Bush, Truex, and Larson, I believe, in contention for the win in this. And I'm picking Kyle Bush to get the victory and secure his spot in round two. That's a big 10-4. All right. Lightning round. First question. The 21 of Ryan Blaney was not so great in the playoff opener. Should we be nervous about the Wood Brothers being able to advance Cisco? I mean, Blaney kind of was asleep at Chicagoland. I expected a little more out of the 21 considering Kez was running sixth. I don't know. I don't know if it's panic mode yet, but I'm a little surprised we didn't see more out of Ryan that race. Rent. No panic whatsoever. Rem- remember, everyone, this is the Wood Brothers' first time in the playoffs, period, since the inception of the playoffs in 2004. So to be honest with you, they really haven't had a notebook that's going to be thick enough to uh, to have what you know the 48, the 2, and everyone else has coming into these playoffs. So it's more of a trial and error basis right now more than anything else so i'm not worried they got some good races coming up he just so reds just gets done giving us all the reasons why we should be worried and says i'm not worried at all i am worried i don't like i don't like either of these next two tracks particularly 
for Ryan Blaney. I think unless he has a really strong performance at Loudon this weekend, which is not one of his traditionally great uh, tracks, I don't know. I'm I'm a little concerned right now for the 21 team, to be honest. All right. Next question. Of the two drivers tied on the cutoff line right now, which one advances and which one doesn't? Rents. Ooh. I'm going to say, well, the two drivers in the cutoff zone right now are Kurt Busch and Austin Dillon tied exactly at the same margin. So I'm going to say Kurt Busch is going to get it done because statistically Loudon's been a great track for him and so has Dover. So, and because Tony Gibson has a little bit more expertise and a little bit more experience at this, I'm going to say that they're going to bring better cars than the three and the 41 makes it into the next round. Cisco. I got to look at the stat sheet. Kurt Busch has 13 top tens. Austin Dillon has four. That's, that's <laughs> kind of open and shut for me. Austin doesn't make it in. Kurt makes it in. Tom. Well, keep in mind, nobody thought Austin would make it out of round one last year. He and made he it did. to round two. Um, and came within a whisker of making it to, to round, round three. three. But that was then, and this is now. And I'm not so really sure that, honestly, I like either one of these guys to make it out of round one. But Oof. if I Well, ha- I mean, there there is that option if you want to go there. I, I mean, in, in all honesty, if I had to wager, I would say neither. But I like Kurt's chances better okay. of getting up front and, and getting through. All right, Rents, give, give us your third and final lightning round question. All right, guys, breaking news coming today out of Hendrick Motorsports. Darian Grubb is back on top of the pit box, this time for Casey Kane, replacing Keith Rodden. This is it, guys. Will this help Casey Kane in his final year with Hendrick Motorsports make a push for the championship? I'll give you the caveat. Darian Grubb was on top of Tony Stewart's box when they won the Improbable 2011 title. Jacob, what you got? Well, here's the deal. It should help, but it won't help. And it's not because the crew chief isn't going to be doing everything he can. It's all driver. Sorry, Casey. Not going to help because it's your fault. I don't blame Keith Rodden one bit, and I'm not going to blame Darian Grubb one bit. Tom. Uh, gosh, we are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Wait, that's <laughs> sorry. We'll get to that on another show. If you wonder why I just said that, just go read Race Chaser online and, and the rest of the web. It's out there. Um, look, I, <laughs> I don't want to blame Casey. I think it's a mixture of a lot of things for the reason why this team hasn't been more successful. But I don't certainly don't see it making a huge difference in such a short time. No, I, I, I mean, Casey may sneak into round two, but I don't think he gets much farther than that. It's just not his year. Cisco. I'm going to flash back to what we talked a little bit about at Richmond when Junior had a different crew chief. It wasn't it wasn't the guy who's won a Sprint Cup Series championship in 2011, but nonetheless, it was a crew chief change. And I'm sorry, but I, I can't buy it. That five car, I mean, bless them. Bless everybody who works on that car, but it ain't happening, guys. I'm no. sorry. All right. With that, we are going to throw a checkered flag on this show. Two hours goes by way too quickly every week. So we'll have to come back and do it again here, Tom, in about a week's time. I'm excited. We're going to have Cole Custer on, scheduled to have him back on next week. And I get to be at NASCAR Xfinity Series Playoff Media Day tomorrow. Yeah, Xfinity uh, Playoff Media Day, then Truck Media Day. And it should be an excellent 
a uh, couple of days down in Charlotte and certainly look forward to having Cole back next week and uh, want to take a moment just to pass all of our condolences yes. uh, to everyone uh, who was affected by the loss of Ted Christopher over the weekend. NASCAR modified driver extraordinaire, just about everything driver extraordinary. Won in supers, he won in late models, he won in pro style, I don't know, whatever the... He's got an amazing record, SK Modifieds. Teddy was great. Yes, he was. We'll miss him. 2008 NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour champion. Multi, multi-time New England track champion yeah. between Stafford Thompson and the Waterford Speed Bowl. And coming up later this week on the Stock Car Show, we will have a special tribute show honoring the life, legacy, and career of Ted Christopher, who passed away tragically on his way to Riverhead Raceway at the age of 59 on Saturday. With that, we thank Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as Hunter Yancey behind the glass, Bob Steele, Sue Mason, and all the staff at PMN that makes this show possible. For Tom Baker, Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza, Steve Ovens, and all the rest of our staff, I'm Jacob Seelman, reminding you to check out RaceChaserOnline.com for your motorsports, your way, every day. We'll see you back here next week. Till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.